I grew up with a sister around four years older than me, and she's awesome, and her favourite programme when we were kids was Buffy the Vampire Slayer. So, I am aware of assistance uh, of this series peripherally, I've seen a few episodes of it, and I think in the later seasons, I don't, I don't know if I've seen many of season one and two. I remember her owning the videos, the VHS sets of season three, four, five, six, and seven, I think, and then I think she got one and two later on, but I think, I'm pretty sure that's how that went. Truth be told, I've always been kind of interested in the, the overall story, given that I've seen bits and bobs bits and bobs of it throughout the years. I cannot talk this morning. I will say though, and spoilers for all seven seasons ahead, um, I'm just assuming that if you're watching this Thoughts on, you're probably familiar with the whole series anyway. I do know the major story beats of the series. I know that Buffy's mother dies. I know that Willow's, I want to say her girlfriend dies. Uh, I think, I think they're a couple, but I think her, her girlfriend gets murdered and then she goes a bit crazy with magic for a bit and then Xander talks her down. I know that happens. Um, I, I know that uh, Spike becomes a good guy at some point, uh, and then I vaguely remember the finale where she makes sure that Spike is a slayer, and then I think she sacrifices herself and the school blows up or something. So yeah, I know the broad story strokes, um, but for years now I've been really interested to see like how you get there. Now with this thoughts on, I am going to do something a little bit different, I'm going to do a little bit of a thoughts on of each episode but it's all going to be within this one video so if it's incredibly long you know why. I'm going to try and keep it kind of brief per episode though but I do have a lot to say about episode one so without further ado. Episode one. Welcome to the Hellmouth. Buffy Summers, a high school sophomore, faces her destiny as a slayer of the undead. I must admit I began to roll my eyes about the trope with the opening scene of two teenagers making out and then it's like, oh, what was that noise? But then I, I laughed a lot when uh, they turned that on its head uh, with a subversion of expectation. It turned out that the teenage girl was the vampire. I think that's a brilliant introduction to the series. It's got subversion of, you know, gender expectation, which the series does a lot of from what I can understand. Um, it's got the cheesy acting and the, the slight sense of humour as well as obviously, hey, this shit deals with vampires, yo. The intro, uh, the that, that took me back because, like I said, uh, this was on a lot when I was a kid and, ah, the intro. As someone who is more uh, familiar with the later seasons of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, good lord, I didn't know these characters were ever this young. Uh, Xander looks like he's 12, uh, Buffy acts like the shallowest person in the world which maybe she always did throughout the series and I just didn't pick up on that as a kid but I, I'm guessing she grows as a character. Some of the acting is uh... Ooh. The main cast are okay but some of those extras... Some of those extras. I've got to say I didn't realise that Buffy the Vampire Slayer was meant to have as much intentionally funny moments. I thought it, when I was a kid I took it to be like a more of a serious kind of a show because obviously it deals with vampires and stuff but it knows what it is. Um, like it, it definitely knows how to make fun of itself and I think that's pretty cool. That being said I think there are some moments which are hilarious when they're not meant to be as well. Like uh, some of the fight scenes are a little bit a little bit Power Rangers. Some of the acting too. I like how the biggest consequence of there being a dead guy in someone's locker was, oh no, Jim was cancelled. You know, not the school shutdown or anything like that for investigations. No, just Jim, did you hear? Jim was cancelled because there was a dead guy in someone's locker. <laughs> what the fuck? 
I did like the ex the big exposition dump uh, with Giles, where you learn just how aware Buffy is of the other side of her life, um, and just how much of it there even is to begin with. Like, it really brought me back to some of my favourite young adult novels, and I don't know, it just made me really nostalgic for a type of fiction I haven't experienced in a fair while of just like this secret double life and it's like there's supernatural things going on and ah oh man i'm here for this that scene where they walk into the the club um well i guess it's a club it's not like a bar because they're all like 16 years old they can't drink yet but oh wow the nostalgia that is so 90s like one of the reasons i wanted to watch this show is because it's like take me back to the 90s and here it is here's the 90s here they are in all of their uh uh, warts and all. I was going to say glory, but I'm going to say warts and all instead. Like, for sure this is an American version of the 90s, not a British version that I grew up with, and um, also this is actors, and, and maybe, like, if you were watching this in the 90s, you'd be like, oh, this didn't really accurately portray uh, what it was like to be in a club or whatever. I don't know, I was three when this came out, or was I two? No, I think I was two. Still, though, it hit me in the, uh, in the nostalgia. I like how Buffy tells Willow to live in the moment and she takes that advice to heart immediately and decides to run along with a boy she hardly knows all the way to a cemetery before she starts to question his intentions. Willow. <laughs> oh no, Willow. I also just want to point out how it was very late when I wrote these notes and uh, I've only just realised that I wrote Graveyard <laughs> instead of Graveyard. I did like being hit in the face with that big to be continued, that was, that made me laugh. I don't know why, I don't think I've seen a show do something like that in a while. Um, I don't know if it's maybe uh, an old thing that we've left behind or if it's just I haven't seen any shows in a while that do that, but <laughs> I was like wow, they're really going to do that, they're really going to stop the action and be like watch the next episode to see what happens. Episode 2, The Harvest. Buffy and her friends encounter a powerful vampire bent on opening a portal to a dimension inhabited by demons. Shock horror everyone, the protagonist didn't die on episode 2. This isn't Game of Thrones. I kinda like the basic lore they threw down about how demons walked the earth before vampires, that was neat. I meant to say before humans here, but before vampires technically works too. Buffy mentioned that police would just use their guns on the vampires, but the guns wouldn't work, but I have to wonder, like, a stake is effective because it pierces the vampire's skin and that's what destroys them, right? So why don't bullets have that effect too? I don't understand. Probably just because it's not as cool, in it. Kind of spooky to think about how that big creepy buff vampire dude hasn't lost a fight in 150 years. Like, damn. I don't remember Willow being a tech geek who can hack into things, uh, but that's another subversion of gender expectation, which is neat, because usually it's like, oh, it's just the, you know, nerdy, nerdy males who are who are the hackers. So that's cool. I think the reason I never saw that is just because I watched later parts of a show, or at least I saw it in the background, uh, where she was doing, spoilers, witch-related things. Angel's so tall and broody. He's so dark and edgy. I don't like him. The term vampire slayage was used, and um, yep. I totally foresaw Xander's friend becoming a vampire, but that might just be because I didn't see him in any later seasons. I did enjoy the scene where Buffy's mum didn't understand why she had to go out and she's like, I know, I know, if you don't go out it'll be the end of the world, and yeah, literally it would have been the end of the world. It's like when I go shopping, I have to have the most expensive thing. Not because it's the most expensive, but because it costs the most, you know? <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. And the cheesy vampire line when he got up on the stage of, um, ladies and gentlemen, there is no cause for alarm. Actually, there is cause for alarm. It just won't do any good. 
This show is so fucking cheesy and I love it. I actually love it. I also liked the whole uh, sunlights in nine hours uh, thing. I actually remember that, so I have seen that uh, at least. That's like the first thing I've remembered though, so I must have just seen that happen in the background at one point while I wasn't paying attention to the rest of the episodes, but yeah, that was that was fun, that was cool. The final scene where everything just goes back to normal and the gang are like, wow, what a crazy adventure we had, is very television. Episode 3. Witch. A witch attempts to eliminate Buffy from a cheerleading competition. Oh good, a cheerleading episode. This is the episode where they kind of established the inevitable love triangle of Willow likes Xander, but Xander likes Buffy, but Buffy likes slaying vampires. And maybe kissing them later on, wink wink nudge nudge. It's also the episode where they establish that it's not always going to be about vampires, we got witches too. At one point Cordelia is blinded and she almost crashes in her driving lesson. She then exits the vehicle and is stumbling around a road. She nearly gets run over by a van but is saved by Buffy. Thing is, the van was so, so far down the road by the time that she wandered into the middle of the road and it still just kept driving towards her. I think the van driver had it out for Cordelia and I'm not sure I can blame him. In this episode I noticed that punches in this show have like a very cartoony punching sound effect to them so that's... That's another, uh, hmm. And finally, the way this episode ended with the witch being banished to live her life as a statue is very fucked up, but also the Photoshop, or well not Photoshop, but the video editing effects of the eyes on the inside of the statue were very... Yeah. This was certainly an episode. Oh, and I almost forgot, Giles gets extra Giles points for his super dramatic spell casting. What an excellent Giles boy. Episode 4. Teacher's Pet. Buffy's biology teacher is killed by a giant praying mantis that assumes the form of a beautiful substitute teacher. This fucking show, man, what the f- Okay, so I guess the first thing I'll say about this episode is that the synopsis completely ruins about the first half of the episode where they're trying to figure out what the thing is. But despite the absolutely absurd premise, uh, I think this was actually quite a good episode. I mean, we got a lot of character development for Xander who realised that um, there's more to life than uh, attracting women, or at least you'd hope that's the lesson he takes away from that. It was also the first time that grief over the loss of a character in the school uh, has ever really been explored, like you saw characters actually affected by that, which was cool. That being said though, once again, they did not shut the school when, when you opened up the fridge and he was in it. That was that was kind of weird that they all just kind of went about their day. But even then, you had the principal kind of force Buffy into some counselling sessions, so there's at least some effort being made to try and make it look like there's some consequences. But it all rounded up really nicely when Buffy was able to take down the giant praying mantis, which I can't say with a straight face, by uh, using education and knowledge and the power of science. And and you got to see that um, what, what the teacher said to her at the beginning of the episode turned out to be true after all. If you can apply yourself, you can be capable of anything, even killing giant praying mantises. I mean, look, I get it's not only about vampires, I expected demons, I expected witches and some magic and stuff, but a giant praying mantis? Really? Where the fuck did that come from? Just rename the show Buffy the Giant Praying Mantis Slayer and be done with it already. Oh, and before I finish up on this episode, the ending, really, where they zoom down and there's egg sacks and one of them opens, really? Did you have to? Is there going to be a sequel Giant Praying Mantis episode? I really hope not. Episode 5 Never kill a boy on the first date. 
While Buffy awaits the arrival of a warrior vampire, she dates a boy who is attracted to her exciting lifestyle. That synopsis isn't entirely correct, he ended up being attracted to her exciting lifestyle, but only at the very end, and that's when they weren't really dating anymore. I remember a lot of Buffy the Vampire episodes opening with Buffy just casually slaying a vampire, and this is the first one that did that, so I'm assuming that's probably a staple, or at least just something that happens occasionally that I happen to remember. This episode dealt very, very heavily in teen romance drama, which is very much not my cup of tea. Turns out, I'm not the target audience for Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Who knew? But I knew that going into it. I knew. So I can't really give it negative marks for that. Uh, that being said, while I wasn't really there for the whole episode's worth of, oh wow, she thinks he's so dreamy, and wow, he actually seems to like her, oh my gosh, how embarrassing that this just happened. While I wasn't necessarily hugely into all that, I did feel sympathetic towards the end of the episode, the way they ended things where she was like, oh no, I can't live my double life and have a boyfriend, oh no. I got my uh, personal dose of that particular dilemma in the second book of Darren Shan's Cirque de Freak Vampire Saga, so that was my go-to vampire fiction of choice when I was a teenager. Is it weird that I enjoyed the giant praying mantis episode more than this one? Episode 6. The Pack. Xander and several other students are possessed by the spirit of a demonic breed of hyenas that wreak havoc at the high school. This fucking show. At first I was surprised about another animal related episode, but then I remembered that some of the people who wrote these episodes went on to create Grimm, so I guess it kind of tracks. Still, like I said in the giant praying mantis episode, um, I was expecting vampires and demons and witches and supernatural things, but not... I mean, not a giant praying mantis, but also not a pack of hyenas possessing a group of teenagers who then went on to EAT THE HEADMASTER! He's not just a one episode character either, he's been in almost all of the episodes up until this one. I thought he was gonna be just part of a cast, he's the headmaster. Nope, he got eaten by students. This episode kind of sucked in the way that it was one of those episodes that just likes to play on dramatic irony and makes you go, oh no, I know that's not really Xander, but they don't know that's not really Xander, and now he's hurting all of their feelings, I wish this would stop. I don't know if anyone ever really enjoys that kind of a plot point, but it happens a lot in a lot of different things and it's always very annoying. Let me know if you do. Oh, by the way, when they very subtly introduced the pig mascot, I thought, that pig mascot is not going to survive this episode. I will say this much, the concept of a bunch of teenagers being possessed by a pack of demonic hyenas and then going around trying to eat people, that is legitimately kind of scary, but that's just because teenagers scare the living shit out of me. They could care less as long as someone will bleed. So darken your clothes or strike a violent pose. Maybe they'll leave you alone, but not me. Episode 7. Angel. Buffy discovers Angel's horrifying secret. Talk about burying the lead. Enough with the giant praying mantis and the and the freaking hyena, demon hyena possessed Xander. This show, this got good all of a sudden, what the fuck? Boy meets girl, girl happens to be slayer of vampires, boy provides intel on vampires to help girl with slaying vampires, boy turns out to be a vampire, girl nearly slays boy, you know how it goes. I'm going to be perfectly honest, um, I didn't know Angel was a vampire, I know a lot of things about how this show turns out in the end, um, but somehow uh, I completely missed the part where Angel was a vampire. 
I know about Spike later on, and I Spike shows up and he's like a vampire with a soul, or like he tries to get his soul back or something, but I didn't know Angel was the original vampire boyfriend with a soul, I had no idea, I just thought he was an edgy boy, which is funny because anyone who's watched this through uh, without any prior knowledge probably guessed that twist a long time coming. I really liked the way it played out, the heartache on Buffy's part seemed very real. It hit us again with that dramatic irony of, oh no, we know, but she doesn't, but this time it wasn't overly frustrating because it didn't feel overly conceited, it felt feasible. Uh, it felt like, I guess because it was the machinations of the villains to set that up, it wasn't happening for no reason. This is the Buffy the Vampire Slayer that I wanna watch! Although I will say, isn't Buffy meant to be like 16 or 17 in the first season? Like, I get that they're, they're doing the whole, it's not a good idea for them to date because he's like 224, but I mean, before we even know that, they talk about how he's older than her as in like an adult, and that's not okay. By the looks of things, in the next episode we're going back to the more Monster of the Week style of episode, but I really liked this part of the overarching narrative, and I hope we can get more narrative-focused episodes as the seasons go by. I have been talking to my sister as I've been watching this, and she assures me that it does get better when I was talking to her about the, uh, Giant Praying Mantis episode, which I won't shut up about because I mean seriously. Episode 8, I Robot You Jane. Willow unwittingly unleashes a powerful demon that takes refuge on the internet. I'm gonna be perfectly honest, when I read that synopsis, I expected terrible, terrible things. Uh, because TV shows don't tend to represent technology in a, in a realistic way, let alone a show on the cusp of the 2000s. And lo and behold, here's an episode where a demon gets uploaded to the internet uh, to run amok on there. That being said, it 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 was it was fine. It was okay. It wasn't eye rolly. There was no like hacker person tropes in there. There was no like TV shows don't understand technology tropes in there. It was believable. Obviously not possible or feasible, we're talking about a demon being uploaded to the internet here, but believable, which is the important part on fiction, in fiction. Although I, I did record the line, the only reality is virtual, if you're not jacked in, you're not alive, which is, uh, you know. I thought it was interesting that Buffy makes a Spider-Man reference, uh, and then and then Giles doesn't get it, and she's like, oh sorry, pop culture reference. And I realised Spider-Man was pop culture before his first movie. I mean, I was free when this came out, so forgive me for not knowing the context of the era. But nowadays it would seem to me that the nerdy types like Giles would also, on the side, be knowledgeable about comics and stuff. I really liked the IT teacher shirking some expectations there, especially when she shows up and is like, oh yeah, no, dude, I know about demons and stuff, what the hell are you on about? Demons aren't just about books and stuff? Shut up. I also really like that she got Giles to check his white privilege uh, when he's talking about, uh, you know, how all of this information belongs in books and libraries and she's like, well, yeah, that white men can have access to. Come on. This episode surprised me in a lot of ways. Even the giant mecha demon part at the end was kind of cool. Poor Willow, though. Oh, poor Willow. She's probably my favourite character, I've got to say. Buffy has all of her, you know, vampire killing stuff, the whole double life thing going on. Xander is just jealous. That's all he is this season. He's just jealous and annoying and trying to be an attention whore. I'm not sure I like Xander in a season. Angel is smolderingly boring, but Willow's so genuine. I, 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 she's great. I love her. Episode 9. The Puppet Show. 
Buffy suspects that a ventriloquist's dummy may be harvesting organs from classmates performing in a talent show. Just when I thought these episode descriptions couldn't get any more weird. This episode was interesting because um, it turned some expectations on their head in that you expected it to be obviously the ventriloquist dummy who was clearly talking by himself uh, being the guy who was going around doing all of the axe murdering but it turned out that he was actually hunting the demon who was doing the axe murdering so that's neat. In this episode we also got to see the new headmaster who was uh well you know he's a bit of a dick really i wouldn't be surprised if he turns out to be some sort of villain later on but then again i also wouldn't be surprised if he just turns out to be a bit of a dick so basically what i'm saying is i'm covering all of my bases here giles nearly getting his brain debrained out of his brain head place was pretty spooky i wouldn't have liked to be in that position where literally the only thing separating you from life and death is a very very frayed rope <laughs> it turned out that the ventriloquist dummy was creepy but more in a perverted horny wave and an axe murdering kind of a way um, but he also saved everyone um, and freed himself and died and oh no how sad yeah this episode didn't do a huge amount for me let's just move on I guess episode 10 nightmares Buffy and her friends discover that their worst nightmares have become reality this episode was really good! The boy in the coma is having nightmares so bad that they become reality and everyone else gets to experience their nightmares in real life. Always a good opportunity to explore the characters a little bit further. I think my favourite nightmare out of all of them was that Giles couldn't read. Um, that, that really seemed to play well on him. Um, and um, I don't know the name of the actor off the top of my head but he did a really good job with that. And oh my god, Cordelia's hair, that's so embarrassing. It was interesting to see uh, Buffy's dad for the first time, and that scene where the nightmare version of her dad is sitting her down and telling her all of her flaws was just brutal. Ugh. Episode 11, out of mind, out of sight. As the May Queen election approaches, an invisible force attacks Cordelia's closest friends. Have you ever been so unpopular and ignored that you literally turned invisible? Invisible people stories are always interesting. I once read one um, by someone whose name I don't remember with a book title that I also don't remember, but it was a book about a guy who could turn invisible and some interesting things happened. I think they had fun with uh, what she could do as an invisible person. Um, that being said, so many strange things have happened in this school now, you've got to wonder why. <laughs> What's still going and people haven't started looking into it. I like the fact that they were like, oh, this isn't even a spiritual problem or or whatever they called it. Um, um, uh, yeah, they were like, oh, this isn't this isn't even the usual weird ghosts and ghouls and vampires stuff that we normally deal with. No, no, no. This was science. Meaning that in the real world, people who get ignored so often, uh, they can become invisible, which is an interesting direction that they took that. This episode though was mainly used to give focus to Cordelia and to whether she has any humanity in her after all, and it turns out that she might do, question mark. I must admit, I do enjoy seeing Cordelia on screen, she's so shallow it's funny. It was cool to see Angel pop up again and interact with Giles and then save him and Willow and Xander later on as well, and um, I think it's interesting because it ties into the next episode, I imagine, in a very important way, but it had pretty much nothing to do with this episode. Um, it's the first time a real Monster of a Week episode has clashed with the overarching narrative kind of episodes, so that's interesting. But I mean, it was the episode before the finale, so that's probably why that happened. So let's recap here. Um, over the course of a season, aside from vampires, we've dealt with a witch, we've dealt with a giant praying mantis, 
Uh, we've dealt with a demonic breed of hyenas. We've dealt with an internet demon, a talking ventriloquist dummy who happened to be a good guy hunting a regular kind of a demon, um, someone whose nightmares manifested in real life, uh, and uh, an invisible person. So yeah, the show isn't all about vampires, but it's also not as much about witches and demons as I thought it would be. Episode 12, The Prophecy Girl. Giles discovers an ancient book for telling Buffy's death at the hands of the master. The finale already? Wow, I kind of binged this over the course of just a few days, huh? Well, I guess it was more like a week, but it felt it felt like just a few days. As with all good season one finales, it's a culmination of a whole bunch of character arts coming together. Xander finally tells Buffy how he really feels, so hopefully we can get over his jealous bullshit and actually have a real character. The master does anything other than just sit down in his hole and go, Ooh, one day will be powerful enough to leave this place. Giles realises that there's more to life when books when he severely underestimates the capacity of a teenager's ability to be very upset about the prospect of their own death and also his library blows up and a giant leviathan sprouts out of it. I'm guessing it was supposed to be a leviathan, it kind of looked a bit weird. Oh sorry, no not a leviathan, I meant like a hydra or like Cerberus or something like that. It had many heads, okay. I'm glad the IT teacher made another appearance, she's pretty cool, I'll be happy if she was a recurring character going on from here. Cordelia just kind of came along uh, for the ride and she didn't necessarily question the existence of vampires when she saw them. In fact, I'm kind of of the mindset that maybe she kind of had an inkling all along as to what Buffy and co were up to, um, but they never really explored that in any meaningful way. She's just like, oh yeah, let's go to the bronze and, you know, party at the end of it instead of being like, oh my god, what the hell was that thing? Oh, what just happened? Oh my god. She was just kind of okay with the whole ordeal. I have a few wrinkles with this episode though, I gotta say. The whole, oh no, the anointed one and Buffy will not know him, this kid was like hyped up for a few episodes to be like the thing that's going to end up leading Buffy to her death or whatever but then she did know him because they read the prophecy and she was like yeah I know you're the anointed one take me to the master whatever and like that's all he did and then he just kind of walked off I I mean maybe we'll see him again in a future season but like he was kind of pointless also she totally broke the prophecy by knowing who he was also the prophecy was like oh Buffy's gonna die but she's probably gonna be revived by CPR don't worry about it she'll just be legally dead for a couple of minutes and also she feels more powerful after dying and having her blood sucked out of her, how does that even fucking work? Like I'd be perfectly okay if there was some shonen magic mumbo jumbo going on there of like, oh, because she she passed through the veil and then came back, she's now even more full of holy power as the slayer of demons and vampires and all that kind of stuff, and it didn't really go there. That being said, it was a fine episode, it, it did its job. Um, I've got to say though, this is like a season-wide complaint, the character of the master was just way too cheeseball-y, like he's supposed to be the master of all vampires, right? And his, his goal is to open the Hellmouth and bring about the apocalypse, but he's just hes just a cheesy cartoon villain. I hope that in the future, um, more villains are more dangerous feeling, like yeah you can have them have funny moments and stuff, but don't make them that much of a cheeseball. And then they went and had a big party, hooray! Season 1 summary of thoughts then, I don't know, I've been using this voice for like the episodes. It's just like a dumb thing, but I kept it going, I guess. Sorry if it was annoying. I really enjoyed season one of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and I can't wait to watch more of it. It was nostalgic, it was funny in places, it was goofy. Um, whether it wanted to be or not, it was definitely goofy. One of the things I never really touched upon in any of the episodes that I was talking about is just how many quips there are. Like, it feels almost like a comic book, and I guess uh, that's 
apt to say considering that it actually did become a comic book after season seven but there was lots of funny little one-liners there um and i'm awful for remembering them so i can't bring up any examples but it got lots of chuckles out of me going on into the future i'd like to see the show have a bigger budget i'd like to see how the characters develop as they grow up and leave school which is obviously something that is going to happen i've i vaguely remember that giles owns a bookshop in the future um and that's where the base of operations really kind of is but yeah i'm looking forward to see the seeing the characters grow seeing where the story goes from here seeing how some of the future plot points that i remember how they kind of uh, are introduced how they're woven in and when they even happen and maybe less episodes about stuff like giant praying giant praying mantises like take yourself just a smidgen more seriously that's all i'm asking it's fun it's great to be funny and goofy and dumb and cheesy but just a smidgen more serious than a giant praying mantis thank you for listening to nearly half an hour of me rambling about season one of this show there will be more of these in the future um i don't know when more episodes are added to each season but i know that future seasons at some point have 24 episodes for those ones i'm just going to do a part one and a part two so it should never be longer than around half an hour because i mean honestly who has the time for that i will see you in the next one i hope